Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Specifically speaking on Mad Dog, um, Stephen A. Smith, you're my boy. You're my boy. And I need you to hold him accountable, okay? I need you to keep going at him every single day. Don't let it stop. Um, but a deal's a deal. I agree. Like, you got to – you got to – you can't back out of that one, Mad Dog. You got to do something. I don't know if you're talking about TV, radio, but I do like Howard Stern's thought about walking with a billboard saying that I am um, whatever, a liar and an a-hole. <laughs> in midtown Manhattan for half a day. That'll do it for me, but I ain't going to forgive you until you do something unbelievable. Maybe show up here and say you're sorry to the entire team. Anyways, that's all I want to say about that. Let's go. Boots on the ground, baseballs and boring in Texas, in Arlington, Texas at the World Series. That was just an example of some of this stuff that was said in the workout day leading up to the World Series. Diamondbacks versus Rangers. That was Tori Lovello, of course, calling out Chris Mad Dog Russo, who said he was going to retire if the Diamondbacks advanced. Diamondbacks advanced. He hasn't retired yet. Tori's going to keep at it. He is putting the pedal to the metal when it comes to getting Chris Russo to do something, anything. And I love that idea. I love that idea, the Howard Stern idea, putting a sign on himself and walking around Times Square, downtown Manhattan, and whatever it is. But the great thing is, is that Tori Lovello is totally leaning into this, leaning into the drama and the chaos and the, and the receipts and all of that stuff. It's delicious. It's awesome. It's what it's all about. So we have that, and we'll have more on that in the podcast to come. And we also had a great conversation, a really appointed and revealing one with Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham of the Diamondbacks was traded from the Mets. And in case you forgot, Tommy Pham, after he was traded, said about some of the Mets position players that they just simply didn't prepare, like didn't prepare nearly enough, was one of the worst groups in terms of preparing, getting ready. Uh, and he went on to explain exactly what how he felt. And within the explanation, he said something was pretty interesting. And you're going to hear it right here, uh, comparing the Mets to the Diamondbacks. Take a listen. I was very honest. I just didn't feel like it was being met as a whole. I didn't, I didn't call anyone out. I didn't, I didn't, you know, but I'm sure... Disagrees with me over there, then man, you gotta take a long look in the mirror and, and, and be honest, be a very honest self evaluator because that team is talented, that team is more talented than this team. Let's be honest here. But what makes 
this team different is everyone is still at this level trying to reach their max potential. All right, we're going to post the entire Tommy Fam conversation a little bit later in the day, but that was a little bit of a snippet. So, all right, so we have the World Series going on, ton of stuff coming from there. But in the meantime, a lot of people in baseball still buzzing about the Craig Breslow hire, chief baseball officer for the Red Sox. We everyone's picking apart, getting people to comment about him and and talking about how smart he is and, and examples of that. Well, we took it next level. All right. Bob Barada is a guy who was Craig Breslow's agent. He's still connected with him. But he was his agent. He basically Barbarata didn't have, as he points out, very many clients, but he wanted to get into sports agency. And so he went to a Yale game, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but Bob has known Craig Breslow, the pitcher, as long as almost anybody. And he has gone through this whole journey with Breslow all the way to him getting announced as chief baseball officer. So if you want the true story of how Craig Breslow found this path and landed where he did and what he is all about and why he is so highly regarded. This is the podcast you're going to want to listen to. Bob offers insight. You just simply aren't going to get anywhere else because nobody has been in the position that Bob has when it comes to Craig Breslow's career and Craig Breslow's journey. So there you go. At BB isn't boring. At BB isn't boring. Twitter account, Instagram account, and of course, FanDuel.com slash boring. If you want free money and then more free money on top of that free money. That's how this works. World Series coming up. We'll do a betting, betting isn't boring segment coming up as well. But today, right now, to kick things off in the first game, first day of the World Series, we have a outstanding conversation with the guy who is going to tell us all about Craig Breslow's journey to become the chief baseball officer of the Boston Red Sox. All right, listen, when we want to get to the bottom of something, when we want to get the what's what, when we want to get the inside to the inside of the biggest news that's non-World Series related, we do it here in the Baseballs and Boring podcast. Bob Barada, who is, I mean, I don't even know. Like, this is this is sort of like getting the, the guy behind the guy behind the guy for Craig Breslow, right? Oh, yeah, a long time. A long time. Years now, 21 or 22, I guess. So I'm going to probably say about a, a trillion wrong things, and I want you to correct me. Right. But – but you're like, right, you are going to say a lot of wrong things. Um, <laughs> I, I know uh, molecular biophysics. Bio- <laughs> yeah, <I guess>. yes. <laughs> um, so in, in short, uh, you were you were Craig Breslow's agent. You are <laughs> you loosely. I mean, how, what's your I don't even know what you call it. Like you're, lawyer consultant. You're a lawyer <laughs> consultant, but you were his agent throughout his playing career, correct? Day one from the time I saw him come off that field at Yale, 2002. All right. All right. So perfect segue. See, you're good at this. Let's this, <laughs> this go back to then. Take me through, because you had a great tweet today. You really did. You win, you win Twitter, whatever it's called. And when tweet, I went X of the day. I got the X you win X of the X of the day with the arrows. You saw the arrows. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're so proud of yourself. You figured out how to put arrows in tweets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I say that because I'm right there with you. Uh, so, all right. So let's go back. So, again, to set the scene, you were you were Craig Breslow's agent. Now you're his lawyer slash consultant. Uh, Craig Breslow, of course, the new chief baseball officer uh, for the Boston Red Sox. That uh, he's going to do many, many great things. I would suggest. I don't know if you got in his ear, Bob. That say, hey, listen, just call yourself president of baseball operations. Like, I don't know if he. I don't know if he had that choice, but you know, POBO, President P-O- of Bay- Pobo, yeah, Pobo. Oh, gotcha. But you know, I guess the Red Sox are really trying to force his chief ba- chief baseball. It doesn't really matter anyway. You said so. I guess you gave a little hint. You saw him walk off the field, and you said that guy is going to be the chief baseball officer for the Boston Red Sox someday. But yes, yes. So, I, so take. 
take me back to when you first met him, when you first knew him. Did you you were you were a fledgling agent? Was that fair to say? Or? Fresh out of Fordham Law School. Okay, uh, I played at Fordham. Yeah, you know, years went to Fordham, and then I said one day, I said, "You know, I think I'll get into the baseball business." And my buddy said, "How you can do that? No one's going to sign with you." I said, oh, "Okay, we'll see about that." So then I had <clears throat> delved into a little research and said, "Oh, Yale's playing St. John's at St. John's in Queens." Take the seven train out there, right? <laughs> Past the old Shea Stadium. <laughs> and I go, all right, so let me go see this guy. His name was John Stites. You might know who Stites is, right? So yeah. Stites, whose parents are both professors of chemistry at Yale, both won the Nobel Peace Prize, ironically enough. They were, um, John was their son, very sought after, top 100 potential for the draft, you know, then throwing hard, which was what, 94, 95, which yeah. was eighth graders doing but at the time it was very it was like high velo so i said great so we go watch him he ended up getting taken in the third round i knew john stuper knew the coach a uh, long time coach that 30 years and known him through a, a guy I grew up with who played at yale um tommy hutchinson good friend of mine who ironically has been craig's financial advisor for 20 years so it's all connected who we went to school with theo epstein makes him more connected wow there you so go. that I, so I didn't know who Craig was. I saw Stice throw, and then Craig came in relief. And I said, all right. And then I talked to Stoop afterwards. I said, who's the lefty? He's like, oh, he's a soccer player from Trumbull, Connecticut, <laughs> who happens to throw a little bit. He's a lefty pitcher, that kind of thing. So it was interesting. And I, I talked to my buddy Tom, and I said, what do you think? And, and I didn't really have any. We had no clients. So I was like, all right, let's, let's see what happens. So Stites we didn't get. was very nice, nice enough, but said, uh, who do you represent? what major league rep do you represent? I said, you're going to be my first. And then we never got him. Right. So, <laughs> so I said, all right, Craig was the next up. And also Matt McCarthy, who famously wrote that book about the minor leagues, as you know, Dr. Yeah. McCarthy. Now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he's on that team as was governor DeSantis. Um, so anyhow, the- oh, wait, 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 wait. DeSantis was on that team. The DeSantis- old one-, one team. 2001. But DeSantis yeah. was a teammate of Breslau. Oh, you didn't know it? I don't think I knew that. As was Michael Elias. Michael Elias was on that team. Michael Elias was on that team too. Rob, wow. we might have to podcast. We might. Have yeah, to- <laughs> no. This, listen, this is a beauty of podcast. We can go as long as we want. So <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they all played together. Yeah, very. Uh, they're wow. very. Uh, yeah, all, all sort of connected. So okay, keep going. So Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. No, that's no, fine. So the 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 Brazil thing comes about. He gets drafted. Stites get drafted by the. Milwaukee Brewers. Craig also gets drafted by the Brewers in the 26th round. So Stites goes third round. Craig goes 26th by drafted by Tommy Tanis, Northeast scout, who's now the Mets scouting director currently. Um, so Craig gets signed, goes to the minor leagues, and has a great first year. Through like a one one seven one eight teammates with Prince Fielder, JJ Hardy, the whole thing, right? Then uh, year two was so so was okay, not great. Uh, he goes into year two and a half, which is really all four and didn't have such a great spring and got released. And, you know, out the door, they're telling him, Hey, you know, you, you're better off just going to med school, you know, cause you're, you already took the MCATs and got your near perfect score. Whatever you got, <laughs> yeah. go, go, go to NYU med school, go, go save lives. Don't worry about being a pitcher. And he just, he loves games so much. And he just, he wouldn't, um, he didn't want to give it up. So he came out to New Jersey. I said, let's, you know, let's look on, let's work on some, maybe some independent teams. So then you had the New Haven team, you had the Jackals, you had all these, these independent type teams. They're very hot at the time. And he ended up going to a tryout in New Haven for the Jersey Jackals. Right. So I said, all right, well, let's, you know, let's see how this thing goes. And obviously they made him an offer, but I said, it, part of the whole Jersey Jackal thing was Yogi Berra, obviously, right? Yogi Berra Stadium, Yogi Berra Museum. You know, Yogi was kind of everything there at the time. But I was a member of the same golf club as Yogi Berra, which put our lockers alphabetically for Otto Berra, right? So put Oh, look at you. Yeah, perfect, right? So he's like, great. He's like, by the way, he golfed both ways, lefty and righty. Very interesting. Different swings. (laughs) He did great. Great. So I called Craig up one day. I said, at the end of the year, I said, you got to come out to Montclair. You got to meet this guy. You have to. I want you to meet him. He met the Cali brothers from famous Matt Cali Real Estate. We went out. I'm not sure if we golfed or maybe we had dinner. 
But I said, Craig, you're going to meet baseball royalty tonight. I'll never forget. He meets Yogi, and Yogi says, looks at him, he goes, you, you're, you might be a big leaguer. And they were about the same height at the time. Right, right. right. So he's looking at him like, you, you might be a big leader. I think it was, honestly, I think it was, I don't even think he was placating him. I think he was a, Yogi just had a sense of people, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Oh, you're lefty? Oh, you're a big leader. That kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> That's a funny story. Craig. Me and Craig talk about every now and then. So that was, so then that was 04. So he finishes out with the Jackals in 04. But he's really in the driver's seat now because he's going to NYU Med School, right, which he had deferred. So he said one more shot. He goes, let me go to an open tryout. So the Padres had an open tryout and uh, run by Ty Waller, still in the game, been a longtime bench coach, scout, and whichever. And um, Ty liked him and signed him for a dollar. And <laughs> one dollar. I don't know if he ever got the dollar, but the um, and it was then it was easy for us because it was report, but have a double A contract, Mobile, Alabama. Otherwise, we'll just go be a doctor, right? So it was easy to to get that to make that position. Why wouldn't the Padres do that? Because they're and so he's a lefty, and you know, he did fairly well in the independent league, right? So with that being said, he has an unbelievable two thousand five year. Makes the double A All Star team, yeah, and he's not really on his way because the GM at the time, Kevin Towers, who I'm now calling and introducing myself to, him, Kevin, rest in peace, one of my favorite of all time, would always take my call and say, "Hey Bob, thanks so much. I don't even know who you're talking about." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "What are you talking about? It's a double A. He's relieving the double A. He's doing." Okay. He didn't want to hear it. So that, so then, so that's July. He makes the team. An injury took place. The Padres are playing the Phillies July 22nd to the 24th was a weekend series in Philly, right? Injury happens to one of the bullpen guys. Their lefty setup guy is out in like Washington or in the cat, wherever, right? He can't get there. He's in the Pacific Coast League, right? So Kevin calls me up. <laughs> Craig had already told me that I just got the call to Big Leagues. I said, what? So Kevin calls me up. He goes, yeah, we uh, this Rieslo guy mis- mispronounced him. <laughs> we're gonna bring him up for tomorrow because we're able to get him here because he's East Coast or Central Time, whatever that was. We can get him. It was a Fox game that Saturday, so he came in and uh, he ended up making his debut and um, faced Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, and Jason Michaels, I believe. Struck two of the three out. Yeah, and but the really key. So now he's a big leaguer. Like and nobody could believe. Like I, I mean, forget it. We would just stop. Right. Right? I mean, listen. He had not to. I mean, what a year, year and a half ago, he signed for a dollar. A little before that, he'd been released. Yeah, right. that's crazy. Right, it's crazy. But you know, it's just a testament to his, you know, his his vision, his his drive, his his everything. Right. Yeah. So just a great example for kids. But so now at the time, so remember at the time he's still in his twenties, right? Fairly young, right? So. What was key in the Padre thing, I always tell people, like, like how, how does that happen? Like, how do you, like, gain a name? I said, well, when you walk into the bullpen and, like, Trevor Hoffman's there and Hoffman takes a liking to you because he sees the way you go about your business. Yeah. Greatest relievers of all time, right? It was an, at the time, you know, unquestioned, you know, one of the best closers in baseball. And he really latched onto him and saw the way Hoffman handled himself. Hoffman took a liking to him. Obviously, then Hoffman probably ran that up the chain. You know, to Kevin was like, this is a guy we need here. You know, this is, this is, this is, this is, but Yogi's right. This is a big leaguer, right? So, <laughs> so he finished out the year there, gets non tendered, and then that introduces us to the Red Sox for the first time. And if you remember, Rob, this is when Theo took his little vacation for a couple months. Yeah. Not- yeah. That put Ben and Jed in co charge, I like to say. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Along was- with Craig Shipley in, uh, in, um, um, uh, but go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I, I yeah, I remember Craig was there too. So, yeah, that was the first intro there. And and honestly, they, they were. I mean, I we were trying to lead Ben to believe that all these teams were on him. I said multiple offers. I Ben didn't realize that they were independent offers. He was just <laughs> so, <laughs> so, there, <laughs> so he signs there, and then Theo comes back on the scene. And that's his first real engagement with Theo and. He was great. You know, he called him, introduced himself to me, and in spring training, they got kind of got together, and he kind of he knew he was a Yale guy, and it was the whole, you know, got to know him, and so on and so forth. So, Craig then is with the Red Sox in 06, mostly AAA, until he gets called up in one game. I remember so vividly, they're having a uh, 
I guess a, a brushback contest with the Oakland A's. Yeah. And Craig, now the third brushback part of it, he's facing Frank Thomas. Oh. You know, he's Frank Thomas, <laughs> who's just oozing out of his uniform, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Varitek comes out to man and he says, hey, Craig, great. You got to You got to do it. You know what you got to do, right? <laughs> I, saying, I, I knew it was coming. And Thomas took it right there. And that was the end of that. And then, and then nothing happened. It was, it was just generally a baseball thing and moved on. But Craig might have been shaking a little bit. That was, that was the highlight of the 06 year for me, at least. Maybe not Craig, but, uh, then 06 happened. And then, and then it was a 07 was kind of a, a, a down year that a lot of relievers and he was really didn't get up at all. He, he got a ring because he was called up one day. Right. Play ball calls no hitter, if you remember. Yeah. Then he got put on the playoff roster. So he never pitched, but he got a ring. I said, this is, this is phenomenal, right? <laughs> no pressure. He's getting a ring. So he, he did that. And then into 08, he was non tendered. And then Minnesota came around, but that was actually a critical year for him because off the field, because that was the birth of the strike three foundation. If you remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the beginning of, you know, him calling me like, hey, you know, Bob, how do I, you know, what do you think about this? I have an idea. And I said, what's your idea? And he said, I want to start a foundation, you know, for his sister had had cancer when uh, she was younger, had overcome it, still still doing well. And he said, I'd really like to give back in some form. If I'm not going to be a doctor, I want to, you know, do, do some kind of giving back. And I want to start this foundation working, believe it or not, with the Stites professors, getting back to Stites, you know, yeah. the whole yeah. Who he studied on, he studied under at Yale, right? Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of connections with the Yale Pediatric um, Hospital and like fundraising, research, that kind of stuff. So I gave him what I thought was pretty good legal advice at the time. I said, Craig, you're crazy because this is like a foundation. It's like, it's like running a company. Like, yeah. You've never done this before. I've never done this before. I can barely run my own company. I'm going to, you know, you know, 501c3, the, all the paperwork. And whatever, not that I wanted to discourage. I just wanted to say, you know, this is this is a different type of animal that you get into. Unafraid, didn't care. He's like, let's just get it done. Let's get the right people in place. Do what you got to do. And got a lot of help from, uh, you know, different people that he grew up with, his family, whomever, whomever would help him. He I had a bit of a platform at the time, right? So platform being um, that he was a, a, a major leaguer, at least. You know, it wasn't a well-known major leaguer, but it was a major leaguer. So that right. was the beginning. That he's he's raised millions of dollars, um, and I'm sure now he's the PLBO. People might be more interested yeah. <laughs> in the Strike Three Foundation, but he's really kept it going. He has a wiffle ball event every year up there in Vermont or New Hampshire, and and just does a great job raising money. So that was the 08, kept that going. Then 09, he starts to bounce around Oakland initially, which we really enjoyed because Billy Bean was the best with handling Craig because he'd say to me. Uh, yeah, these are his arbitration years now, right? Right. Like, oh, Bob, this is great. W- what do you want? W- what do you mean? I'm not going to arbitration with this guy. Nobody in their right mind would go to arbitration with Craig Fresswell. <laughs> He's like, by the way, I've had Sprague's wedding this weekend. So what do you want before the year? <laughs> 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 he was great. So he did that for a couple of years and he, he was phenomenal with Craig and because he, he respected him so much. Craig obviously picked a lot of his brain, right? Oh, yeah. In Oakland. Then this is Craig's intro to meeting Andrew Bailey. Yeah. Um, sure you'll, you'll be hearing more of soon. Um, <laughs> and they become, obviously. And yeah. Andrew's a, a Jersey kid, went to Wagner College and Rookie of the Year, all that kind of stuff. So from there, uh, so that's, I guess, so 10, he, he's bouncing. So Minnesota, Oakland, and then Arizona. And the Arizona was about a year and a half got the largest donation from any ownership group, Ken Kendrick's group to the strike three foundation. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a big thing. So they obviously respected him immensely. Uh, Gibson was his manager. So on foot, so forth. But then 2012 comes around and that I always like to say to people like, what happened? To, wh- what was up with the 2013 Red Sox? Like when did that start? And a lot of these guys will tell you, I think Ben will certainly tell you this, that build of 2013 started in the trade di- trade deadline of 2012. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you had the you had the Punto trade, mm-hmm. the the Beckett, Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah, they Carl, they moved better. Carl Crawford, McPunto. Craig, yeah, Craig came in, um, twenty twelve to July thirty one, twenty twelve for Matt Albers. Oh, Matt Albers, yeah. 
Clippers went out to Arizona, Craig came in. But that was really, I believe, fostered by um, Valentine, Bobby, who really knew Craig, that's a Connecticut guy, and said, I need, we need to start, you know, working on some clubhouse stuff and start getting some guys in here that I know are going to help, help with that culture. Right. And really fix that. And if you really look at the 2013, I think they added like seven or eight guys, maybe nine guys, but they were the traditional type, all good clubhouse guys. And really- Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's well documented about, you know, how that team, that's the epitome of, of if you, the, how a good clubhouse can can really make a difference. Hundred you know, percent. Dempster and Gomes and Victorino and Napoli and and um, I'm, uh, who else am I missing? Uh, but you know, it's it's just a ton of guys. And you're right. I mean, Craig was part of that. And and thirteen was, you know, for me, that was the height of Craig's powers in the sense of he should have won the ALCS MVP. Or, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like he was, he was like in the zone. He was the lockdown reliever for them. I Definitely. mean, Koji was Koji, no ALDS. question. ALDS was where he really. Oh, ALDS. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, ALDS. I mean, yeah. just lockdown. Yeah, yeah, certainly. But you know, 2012 is funny. The I didn't know, learn this story till years later. Andrew Miller was on that 2012 team. Yeah. And then 2013, and a lot of Miller's change, not only the way he threw, but also the way I think he approached the game. Andrew told me this himself at a strike three charity event, he introduced himself when he was then with the Yankees. And he said, that guy changed my career. I said, what do you mean? What happened? said when he came in 2012, he basically sat him down and said something to the effect of like, you know, I shouldn't be beating you to the park. You know, I shouldn't. These are the things you need to do. This is what mm-hmm. Trevor Hoffman does. This yeah. is what I did. This is why are you doing this? And you have you have the ability that I don't have. You know, this is Craig talking. Right? Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. That turned into then they worked on some arm stuff. And Miller really, he says he really had a massive impact on his career. So if you remember 2013, that was just that bullpen was just incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, the- they they it started. I mean, this isn't what we're really talking about, but. If you look at opening day, it was, you know, Andrew Bailey was supposed to be a closer. He's he's out. He's hurt. Hanrahan is supposed to be a closer. He gets hurt. Right. Um, you know, that first that first opening day, I think Koji, who had been, and became one of the best closers the Red Sox ever had, pitched, I think, in the sixth inning. Right. You know, before Andrew Miller, before Tazawa, you know, mm-hmm. all these guys. So anyway, but they ended up being loaded. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they win the 2013, and that's um, – I mean, that speaks for itself. Um, and then 2014 happens, and that was kind of a so-so type year. And then I guess non-tendered and uh, – no, into 2015, they were going to make him a starter. Him and I guess Rich Hill came on board. Mm-hmm. And it, he, oh, that's right. Know, they were going to make him a starter for a second. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started a couple of games. Actually, I think he won one to – Torrey was the manager, I think, at the time. Uh, Lavolo, um, or maybe interim. I, I yeah, believe. interim. Yeah, interim. Yeah, and that turned into, you know, obviously Ben loved him. Ben was the GM, and um, the and I guess Dave took over. I guess twenty fifteen Dombrowski, and then we and then he moved on to Miami, which he had a great relationship with Mattingly. The boys yeah. are the same. All the these same people age. that he came in contact with, Ben. Unbelievable. I mean, be, be, besides, besides you, of course. I mean, like, but all these people—it's crazy. It's like Jose yeah. Fernandez. Jose Fernandez. Oh man, yeah. A month or two before that that boat accident, they were teammates, and not, I wouldn't say overly close, but you know enough that we, there was the respect level and the Marlin organization. He was certainly respected there, and then and then, then 2016 that was Mar- uh, Miami, and then. It was Oakland and Minnesota, not Oakland, um, Cleveland and Minnesota. But what started to happen was this is the second tour with Minnesota, second tour with Cleveland. It became one of these, we need him in here for our young players. Yeah. We need him, right? Which is a, a total no-brainer, right? So then he's then he's changing his arm slot. He's going more, you know, sidearm type stuff. And, and then he gets introduced to Rapsodo, one of the first athletes to ever work with Rapsodo. So I'd often see him. 
you know, we'd go up and in the winters, him and Rich Hill would be throwing and I'd be catching most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I got to send you a great video of Rich Hill catching Craig's bullpen at oh. Boston. Oh, yeah, let's go. Give me that yeah, video. Yeah. That. So, yeah, that was my job to actually literally catch these guys. But I would, I would help them take the video and say, hey, where's arm slot? And then they, they would hook it up to the Rapsodo and they look at all this this pretty wild stuff that I quite honestly didn't really understand at the time. But yeah, he was one of the first with Rapsodo. And then so 2018, and then, then the last, the last of the last was Toronto. That was yeah. the last, right? So that was Shapiro, Ross Atkins. Um, want this guy in spring training. We got a lot of young players. Um, and he didn't make the big league club there. They asked him to go to double A his last year, which most guys who pitched, you know, 10 plus years in the big league, they're not, they're like, what do you mean double? Well, it's in Hampshire. It's kind of close to your house, but John Schneider was the manager, the young guy. He's now the manager now in the big leagues, but young guy. But I think they've really wanted him around their three big young position players. Everyone talks about like, oh, the pitching, he's a, you know, VP of pitching, all this other stuff. Well, the reality is he's going out spending time with Vlad Guerrero and Bobachet and, and, and BGO. You know what I'm saying? There was a reason why Toronto did that, which is yeah. smart, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a relationship there. So everyone's saying, like, you paint the picture of just a pitching guy. It's like, no, this is a baseball guy that, like, these guys respect. And now you're talking about three uh, sons of ex-big leaguers, right? Yeah. You don't think that their fathers told them, like, this is the type of guy you listen to? Right. Of course. Right. Right. But they've been there, right? Um, so that was that was actually fascinating. That last year it was kind of like on the way down. That he didn't really want to stop playing, but you know, hanging out in Dunedin isn't exactly the most appealing uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he he's nothing against Dunedin, but he, he you know in the summer it wasn't going to work out, right? It's just a little hot. So then, uh, so the end comes, but the really the whole start of his executive thing was really it was just. Let's see if teams still want me to pitch. A, if they don't, B, do they have a role for me? Yeah. Right. And then, then it was just then it was easy because then you know I we, we were just I would just do my normal thing. I was he's looking to pitch. We got a new arm slot. Here are the Rapsodo numbers. You know all that stuff, right? Blah 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 blah. And there was a nose across the boards, but I was getting a lot of yeah. Let me know when he wants to join the front office. Let me know. Let me know. <laughs> no. And that was he was like the all time free agent, right? Yeah. All time. Yeah. And then, and I know we've talked about this. It was really Theo, who's very good at reading the room, as you know. And um, he he just said, "What do you want to do? Draw, draw up a job description. Let me know." And Craig did it and submitted it to him. He said, "Great, start tomorrow." <laughs> what was he? Uh, there was one time where somebody may have expressed interest in maybe like you, because you know, there's different paths you can take, obviously. And maybe like there was a manager sniffing around, you know, maybe about a manager. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What, what was that? That was was that the Red Sox? Said would he ever consider that? I said he'd consider anything. I, I was telling someone today, another writer. He said, "What do you like? What do you think about Craig? Like this unknown?" I said, "Oh, this guy's not afraid of anything. He thrives in the unknown." Yeah. Like, I said, what could you manage? The first thing he did was order the MLB rules and regulations from Amazon. It was at his house the next day, and he's reading through it on the beach. Oh, really? Just, right, just in case. Hey, yeah. it could actually happen. But, you know, some clubs heard that. They were laughing. I'm going, I wouldn't be laughing. I'd never underestimate this guy. But it really speaks to that that confidence level. You know, I think when you look at his background, the 26th rounder, you know, plane ticket, you're not going to make it. You know, everyone looking down, you're not that tall, you don't throw that hard. And and he puts himself on that stage and he performs because he's consistent at what he does. And um, he's looking to get better. Right. You know, they never really relied on, oh, this is what I do. I do it all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll be consistent in my processes every day. But is there a better way to do it? Let's figure it out. But that's so, what, but Bob, that, you know, I was talking um, – it's after, actually, I was t- walking with Tori Lavello after his press conference today, and we were talking about Brez and said, you know, one of the great things about him is that he listens. Like, I always thought Tori, Tori is like one of the best listeners I've ever seen. He just is. And I think that's such a, like, a great quality to have. Mm-hmm. And 
for Brez to like, okay, you know, like he's obviously the smartest guy and that I'll talk to, but he never like forces on you and he'll listen to what you said. And, and I think you said something to me. I don't think I'm telling this out of school, but like you said, Hey, listen, I went to law school, Fordham. It wasn't Yale, Fordham, right? Fordham. It wasn't Yale, but he always wants to hear what I have to say, you know, and me, he wanted to hear what the stupid reporter from Springfield College, birthplace of basketball, but uh, always always had to say, you know. So I, I mean, that's how it felt anyway. Hundred percent. And he he always has a line. He still uses this line, and, and I totally agree with it. He says, "Good information is good information. I don't care who it comes from." Yeah, you don't have to have played in the big leagues. You don't have to if the information is going to work for him. I I always said to him, you, he thinks like a lawyer. Really, really does. He takes in all the information. He has very good pointed questions, right? He remembers everything. He's got a great memory. And um, he's creative in his mind and his, and his, and his, his thought process. He's very creative. So let's okay. go, let's go, uh, let's go back to when Theo, you know, Theo, you know, he, he knew, like he knew, like he said, 2006, they were introduced. They started talking, boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, you know, he know that this guy has something that can help his Theo's organization. Um, but to understand, for, from Craig's point of view, he obviously wants to take that next step. He he knows now his career is probably his playing career is probably over. He's going to do something, but you know, it's not like hey, I'm going to be the pitching coach for a Double A team and ride the bus and prove my worth. It's going to yeah. be something that can impact. Something like right. imme- almost immediately, and like, I think what you're saying is that Theo understood that more than most, right? That like we can't waste this guy's time and say, "Hey, go to the cubicle and and work your way up," right? Right. Yeah. No, I think he saw him as, as rightfully so as an asset right off the bat, and gave him the titles and treated him accordingly. So this whole notion he go. I don't know. Be a pit. nothing. There's nothing against that, but it's saying like been there, done that. I got some new ideas. Strategic. So when he put together that job title, it was like it really was strategic operations. Like how can we be more strategic instead of just always doing the same thing that you've always done? Certainly in that pitching department, right? I mean, that you know they needed some help there. When you and- talked, when you when you would talk to him after you got that job, did you get the sense that like all of a sudden because you know Bob like sometimes it's really hard for people to move on right mm-hmm. it's hard to move on for your playing days did you get right. the sense that like he had immediately discovered his passion this his path um I think so it's hard to say because I think at the end of the day love baseball love to play you know probably doing with what Rich Hill's doing right now yeah you know, F season contracts I mean podcasts podcasts. <laughs> That's what I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't think it ever. I don't think if you asked him, and I can't speak for him on this, but I, I think he'd say I'd, I'd still love to be playing baseball, right? You know, as long as I could. But when that didn't happen, it was okay. How can I? Make, I think all the players go through some kind of when they stop playing, they're kind of like, oh, all right, what do I do now? You know, he's kind of, you know, all right, yeah. well, it's a challenge. Right. You know, and he, and he's, he doesn't, he's not going to get bored. And and keep this in mind, Rob. He was still he's still running and is still the executive director of his foundation. Yeah. So he's still yeah. that. He's still yeah. running a bit, right? And he's still still doing it now. I mean, he's still doing. He was head of the Red Sox, so so he's just the guy that likes to work. He's a guy that likes to accomplish things. Um, he's a guy that likes challenges. He's a guy that likes the unknown. But the the one thing that I you know I said this to you earlier, like people like, don't you know him. I've known you for quite a while. Right. So I guess yeah, yeah. Right. People don't real. This is, in my opinion, one of the most empathetic and loyal guys anyone will ever meet. And so many people say that. Meaning, like, when you say he listens, like what Tori says, he listens. Yeah. Because he's empathetic. He's like, I want to know where you're coming from. Like, right. I'm gonna, I want to put yourself in, I'm going to put myself in your position. Like, why... Why are you saying that? Or why do you feel that way? Whether you're struggling in life with something or whatever it may be, the guy's phenomenal. He, I mean, his response to me the other day with, you know, the, probably the highlight of his executive career. And he's worried about how my kids are doing in baseball. My, you know, my daughter's yeah. doing in hockey. Like, I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, 
Yeah, we'll get to them another time. <laughs> well, all right. So let's 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 go back to that. Um, but first of all, like when you're making me rebel, I hadn't, I hadn't. I mean, I don't know when the last time I talked to him, but like when you talk to him, talk to him enough, where he has that. There's that when you're in a conversation with him about something, he pauses, right? Yeah, <laughs> you say something and he pauses because he's th- he's like soaking it all in, and now he's going to give you a genuine thing. Anyway, which by which is a sign of a good lawyer because he doesn't speak out of. He'll be really good with the media too because he's very targeted in his wording. Yeah, and because yeah. he knows that the words and things he says affect lives. Right. Certainly, been, but he's not he's not very flippant with his words. He's very he's very measured. When did, uh, even though like every single time a position came up, you would say press for press, press for press, or whatever. When was the first time that you heard that this this could be a very real thing with the Red Sox? Um, I guess it was a couple. Was it the Gammons tweet? I was probably the Gammons tweet, but I, I was always in the mindset of like, this is their only chance to get him. They bet they better hire him because. If they didn't, he's he's going to get his chance the next two three years somewhere else anyway, yeah. right? It was never, but, but to me it was it was, you know, I know he's had some relationships there with the people. Obviously, I mean, listen, he pitched there, played there, he knows all the people there, he knows the owners, he knows Sam, I and mean, this is knows Theo. There's, there's very tight relationships there. But but having said all that, knowing these people is great. This guy is qualified, mm-hmm. and he's got fresh ideas that could, is really going to help the organization. So me, I mean, I'm biased, right? Because I'm looking at it like I know what this guy's capable of, right? So to me, they weren't going to bring in someone who's already, oh, you hear a lot of, oh, inexperienced, inexperienced. Well, he was inexperienced as a reliever in the big leagues, right? He was inexperienced as a playoff pitcher, right? He was inexperienced. Well, at some point, you got to go in there and deliver. I do think this, though, and, and it's a couple of conversations we've had in the past that being a former player, okay, that played in that kind of market, that was on that kind of team, and pitched in those kind of high leverage innings, you take that stress. I, I don't think anything compares to to that kind of stress. Mm. So being the POBO, whatever you want to call it, of, of an organization, he understands that. So when he goes and, and deals with the players, right, and the manager, he knows what that feels like. Right. He knows. And and he has he has a, it's no different than Chris Young, right? So Chris, you know, same type of thing with Texas, right? I think that's a huge part of of I think the way players respond, they want to talk to somebody that for the most part has been there, I believe. Especially this new younger player generation. Because of all the information, Rob, and everything else, they they immediately will say, not all of them, but a lot of them will say, That's great, where where'd you play? <laughs> right. No, well it, no, well that's and fair or not, that's the player's default. Like that that's that, the way they are. That yeah. that's the way they are. That's it again, that's not always necessarily fair, but that's it, it, it listen, and we we have um I could go through the list of GMs in that clubhouse and and I love the way they GM, but I said David Ortiz, God bless him. Holy mackerel, what a GM he would be. Like he would be <laughs> Ah, oh, you want five hundred million dollars? Yeah, DH. Yeah, there you go. Because, like, because I get it. Like, in, you know, and Bob, like, I did a podcast that got you know that got a lot of steam on Kenley Jansen at the end of the year, talking about you know we really screwed up at the trade deadline, and and I think Alex Cora probably, you know, he probably thought the same thing, but he didn't say that. He said, yeah, I understand where Kenley's coming from because I was that way too as a player. Right. But what, and I'm not saying that Kenley or other players overtly said, oh, well, High and Bloom, he's never played. He can't possibly do. Yeah, that's not true. I mean, Mike, Mike Hazen's one of the, the decision makers in the World Series. He's never played. I mean, he played, but. Uh, right. I'm right. No, by no, the no, way, no. Like, quick, I, I just remember this. You know, Mike Hazen's roommate was in college. Who's that? Guy named Sam. You ever watched Mad Men? No. Is that a movie? Not Mad <laughs> No. It's a TV show. It's already forever. <laughs> Anyways, an actor named Sam Page. If you ever see Mad Men, forget about it. Well, my God, was, was your roommate at Springfield, John Cena? Oh. 
he's a little he's a little younger than me um <laughs> it was kidding. uh yeah we were uh <laughs> he he john cena yes you're right he went to springfield college and football yeah. i got a good john cena I, i'll tell you later anyway um so the point is is that you're absolutely right that it not only does it 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 take away that crutch that players have complaining about the front office. But it also, and I think I told you this before, the, the Chris Young thing, I had someone with Texas say, just say, hey, listen, you know, this is Chris Young doesn't see things just with spin rate and analytics and what the analysts are saying. He understands right. that a Max Scherzer, okay, the MRI might come back with his labrums all, I'm not saying that Max Scherzer has this, but his labrum's all tore or whatever. But he can pitch through that because I've seen guys pitch through this. I know what it's like to pitch there. I know what it's like to like this guy is going to produce on the mound. I know what it's like to get through a season, what you need as a player, all of that. And that's this type of stuff that I do think is going to help. I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's – I think it's a feel thing. Yeah. Have a, you know, like, I, you know, having a feel of something you – what's the old Confucius saying? What you do, you understand. So when you kind of – when you've already done what they've kind of done on that kind of level, you know, I take it back to that, that game two of the world series in 2013, Craig came in and as you remember, made, made a, made a throwing error. If you remember. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I don't know if it cost the game, but it was a big part of that game. And I, and I, I never, never forget. I was with my boys at Fenway fans weren't too happy, <laughs> yeah. but, and they heard words they'd never heard before. Yeah. I said, wow, man, this is like, this is, that's pressure. That's pressure. That's real pressure. Yeah. Right. When you're the player, right. Whether you're, you know, whomever it may be when you're on a big spot and you either succeed or fail, that, that's pressure. So I think when you compare the levels of, of pressure or challenge, like I think this certainly will be a challenge, which is he's always thrives on challenges. But I think based on his experience as a pitcher, his, his, uh, what he's already done in Chicago, his experience there, I think there'll be an adjustment period, but I think he's going to thrive. I really think he's going to thrive in this position. Is is because he's always he thrives in everything he's ever done, really. Yeah. So why he didn't? Why wouldn't he do that now? And he's also because he has no ego, no ego, as you know. He go to those <laughs> he go to those winter meetings. Nobody knew he was, and he was wasn't looking to make a statement or to really talk to anybody. Right? He would go to the winter meetings to figure out how this whole thing would happen. Yeah, and then his- like I, I see, it, I've seen players go to the winter meetings. And it gets awkward. You get awkward where they're like forcing themselves on right. guys. I, and, and I, I distinctly remember Craig just sitting there just sort of like almost with this sort of shitting grin on his face, like seeing me chase down, you know, agents and, you know, whatever it is. Oh, we had a great one where we were, we were sitting there in the lobby in the chair and Tommy Lasorda was there and he, he, I guess he was had a cane. He was trying to move around. He just started talking to us and I just acted like. I think he thought I was somebody else. So I just acted like that's someone else just to kind of keep the conversation flow going. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, Steve Garvey comes walking by. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, grab him, grab him. That's one of my guys. And I said, who? And then, and then Garvey turns around and Craig's like, we're now matching up Tommy Lasorda with his old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was worth the price of the plane ticket just to do that. Uh, Craig got the best line though. He goes, I, I guess he's winning meetings. So everybody comes at a hotel and they all hide in their hotel rooms. <laughs> it's true. He also had, he also had a great, I mean, I remember, I guess I could say this now. We were down at the David Ortiz uh, charity golf tournament. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was there by himself. I don't think his wife made it. He's, I think he was there by himself and he's just like wandering around and, and he was a free agent. I said, like, oh, is there anyone interested? Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, a bunch of teams. It was kind of like what you said about, like, the independent league teams. Like, exactly. but, Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, okay. All right, Craig. We're hanging out. Why not? Multiple so he, he, had his, what? he met his wife, Kelly. He met his wife, Kelly. I was with him, Andrew Bailey, and a bunch of others from the Strike Team Foundation in Stanford at a strike three fundraiser, some local Irish place in downtown Stanford set up by Bobby Valentine. Okay. 2011, maybe. Yeah. Kelly worked for one of the companies local. I think GE, which was in Stanford. Yeah. That was beginning oh. of. Yeah, oh, there you go. I've, she- I've, been there, I've been there for most of the ride. 
<laughs> I know. Well, that's why this, there's, there is no podcast, I can guarantee you, that will document Craig Breslow's existence better than this one today, right now. I guarantee you. And we, and we and Bob, we didn't even talk about Yoa Mankata. <laughs> oh, the Mankata. Yeah, remember the Mankata? Oh, no, who's the other one? The um, Johnny Cueto sighting? Yeah, the dude, the Cueto sighting. Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about when, brother, you're talking about when, yeah, John, I, I think I tweeted out that Johnny Cueto was at the airport. You said, no, that's his brother. <laughs> his brother. They say, look, that's okay. his brother. <laughs> that is that is so, yeah, yeah, yeah the Owen Mankata one was that you were uh you were oh I, I don't know how you were almost Owen Mankata's agent I guess so I said. no when no oh no when I found out when we looked a little deeper as to what was I said I'm not into this um uh firearms and stuff not him but the agents that we that's another podcast we want to make it clear we aren't saying that Yon Mankata illegally owned firearms. No, 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 no. no. The agents who were trying to protect him. Yeah, no, there, there was. Yeah, there was. It was a weird agency thing, and yeah. So anyway, but that's that's a completely that. different podcast. That's for a book one day. Yeah. All right. Well, no. at, at great stuff. So, uh, right, so right. in synopsis, you you think that Craig Breslow is going to do a good job? So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for him. He he's deserving. You know, he's 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 an amazing guy. And I think the Boston fans, when they get to know more of his personality, his really dig into his background. Yeah, I there's something to be proud of, and I think they're going to champion more and him more now. And I think John Henry said that in his like he's one of us. Like he's coming back. He's basically coming back home. Yeah, so. I think. Well, I think that you you you're basically the trampoline for everyone liking him. Like he's launched out of a cannon thanks to you. Let's go. <laughs> In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.